Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. Please stand for our call to worship. In your red hymnals, it's the unison reading, number 24. I'll read what is in black, respond with the lines in red. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the lands. Come into his presence with singing. It is he that made us, and we are his. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. The Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever. Let us worship God.
Please be seated. Scripture reminds us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, at the right time, Christ died for us. So let us confess our sins without fear, but with sorrow. Let us pray. Mighty God, we confess the arrogance of our doubts and the falsehood of our denials. We have neglected to pray and have forgotten to give thanks. Many activities have become more important to us than gathering for worship. Our busyness crowds out times of private prayer. We shake our heads at the evil around us, but do little to witness to a better way. Your law is seldom consulted, and your pathways of self-sacrificing love rarely explored. Turn us around, God. Only you can save us and meet our deep need. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might be dead to sin and be alive to all that is good. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. I'd like to invite all the children down. Good morning. How is everyone? Good. So I'd like to know, raise your hand, who likes birthday parties? Me too. What is your favorite part? Is it the games you play, the foods you eat? Oh, it depends on whose birthday party. Why would you celebrate a birthday? So why would you celebrate a birthday? Somebody special born, isn't it? And we're thankful that that person is born and is part of our lives. Does anyone know how old God is? Do you ever wonder, how old is he? 60? 100? 6,000? Infinity? Do you think he has a birthday party every year? Yes? Well, we read in the Bible about creation, but we're not told about the beginning of God. Revelation 1.8 says, The Lord God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the one who is and was and is coming. I am the Almighty. God has always been. He was never born, so he doesn't have birthdays. God's age doesn't really matter. God loves us, takes care of us, and sent his son Jesus to live and die for us. 
Let's thank God for everyone's birthday. Praying in three, two, one. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus, and thank you for all of us being born and celebrating a birthday every year. In your name we pray, amen. first lesson is a responsive reading, number 22 in your hymnal, found on page 492, but it's number 22. Again, I will read in the black, you will respond with the red, and through this let us listen to the word of God. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and with his hands O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell us his salvation Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared all For all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord Honor and majesty are before him. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come unto his court. Worship the Lord in holy array. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all Let the fields exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the wood sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Please be seated.
I can give you a guarantee that you will have a blessed week this week if you will get up in the morning and just make that anthem your prayer. Can't do much better. And thank you to Ted Neumeister. He is a graduate of CSU and the Schwab School of Music. And he is still using the gifts that God gave him, not for a grade, but I think God is smiling. And you made our hearts smile today, Ted, as you do every week, choir. Thank you and thanks be to God. Let's stand for our second lesson. It could be said the whole book of Revelation is a description of a spectacular worship service. In the fifth chapter, that is very much what is going on. And we'll read the first 14 verses as we glimpse into heaven and take a look and listen to the worship that takes place there. Listen to God's word. As John writes, Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll written, and on the inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders a lamb standing as if it had been slaughtered, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slaughtered, and by your blood you ransomed for God, saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests serving our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne. And the living creatures and the elders, they numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, singing with full voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth, wisdom and might, and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. As the providence of God will have it sometimes, just the right thing comes just at the right time. So it was with a video that was sent to me by my father just within the last two weeks. It's a video from Paraguay. Catura, Paraguay. In that city, in that South American town, there is a large landfill, a city dump. And in that place, there are people who have made that dump their home. They live among the trash. When the trucks from the cities come in to deposit their refuge, there are people who sort through the trash trying to find treasures or something of worth that can be recycled and resold. And so these people who live on the trash, in the trash, among the trash, find their livelihood from the trash. There are places like this all over the globe, by the way. But here in this particular place in Katura, Paraguay, something rather incredible happened one day 
when one of the men picking through the trash found the shell of an old violin. Decided to see if he could salvage it. And so adding to it other pieces of wood and a little bit of craftsmanship and some strings and a bow, he crafted a violin. And now in this trash city, in this dump heap, men with talents are taking trash. Old cans, old oil drums, old pieces of wood where they can find to, to salvage and cobble together to make instruments to play music. Violins, cellos, crafted out of trash. In this little three and a half minute, four minute video, they interview uh, several of those young people who are playing these instruments and playing upon them beautiful classical music, orchestral music. One of the young ladies, 16 years old, she is quoted as saying, it's in Spanish, but the subtitles are very plain, and she says, my life would be worthless without music. My life would be worthless without music. How true would that be for you? I don't know if my life would be worthless or if your life would be worthless. It might feel that way and certainly more so for some than others. But it certainly wouldn't be the full and rich life that we live now because our lives are filled with music, a gift from God. Now, the other thing that this video said was uh, a man was commenting on lessons learned from this rescuing from refuge something of worth and value. And he said, we have learned that we should not throw away things so carelessly like our trash and that we in turn should not throw people away so carelessly as if they were trash. Something of value. You can Google landfill harmonic or recycled orchestra to find this video. I think you'll find it inspiring, but how blessed and how true we are to have music in our lives. In the organ loft of the Whitfield Tabernacle in London, which was destroyed by enemy bombing in March of 1945, it, they found scribbled in the organ loft up by the organ bench by an anonymous organist these words, make a large place in your life for music and it will bring you a priceless reward. In the hour of rest, music will lift, will lift up your spirit and give refreshment to every faculty of your being. In the hour of work, you will rejoice in the strength and energy which music has given you. In the hour of prayer, music will quicken the inspiration of your soul. In the hour of fellowship, music will blend your spirit with others in unity and understanding. And without a doubt, music is a major component of our contemporary lives. It is available to all communities on the planet in one way or another, no matter how remote. It is listened to both avidly and absent-mindedly, passionately. It is argued about. It is a conspirator in love. Music is an inducer of both sleep and tears. It is universal and indispensable. It is from the outset of human history. And music's important in our lives today is enormous. In fact, no other human cultural activity is, is so all-pervasive, per reaching into and shaping and often controlling our lives by the virtue of its ubiquity. Contemporary popular, popular music is available to us all. It is deeply ingrained in our makeup, almost as, as if an identification with music is wired into our very being, 
Did you feel it when you heard that French horn resonate in your head and in your chest, calling out something deep and touching something deep within you? I read this startling statistic this past week that 7th to 12th graders, teenagers, listen to an average of more than 10,000 hours during that five-year span. 10,000 hours of popular music, which is slightly less than the entire class time that a student spends in school from kindergarten to 12th grade. Where is the priceless reward promised us by that anonymous organist who inscribed those words upon the organ bench? Sometimes it is more like we are dazed and crazed by music. We are entertained and not refreshed. We are stimulated but not spiritually quieted. We are congregated but not blended in unity and understanding. And the truth is that we do not lack the quantity of music in our lives, but what we but but do we receive from the abundance of music in our lives the recompense of its blessings? Perhaps we are overtaken with an abundance of the art and have lost its true focus. One of Christendom's greatest church musicians, Johann Sebastian Bach, may have been right when he wrote in one of his students' notebook, the aim and the final reason of all music is the glory of God. The aim and the final reason of all music is the glory of God. And where this is not observed, there will be no real music, only devilish hubbub, Bach wrote. And I'm not going to debate the veracity of Bach's claims, because I might get in trouble with my sister, who just excitedly this past week announced to me that she is in possession of two tickets to a Barry Manilow concert for her birthday. Isn't it amazing how important music is to us that we'll pay hundreds of dollars to go and hear musical groups that should have quit playing music a long time ago? Okay, all you Stones fans and Eagles fans. How many of you painted your face like the rock group Kiss growing up? I hope they're not touring. And I know how some of you feel about Elvis, so we're not going to talk about devilish hubbub. Martin Luther called music the greatest treasure in the world, a beautiful and glorious gift from God. The priceless reward of music comes when our music focuses us on God. And our focus on God our worship and praise of God is why we were created. That is our primary purpose and function as creatures of a loving creator is to praise our creator, our sustainer, and our redeemer. And music helps us do that. And when we gather on a weekly basis, it is the thread of music that pulls us through our liturgy beginning with the prelude and ending with the postlude and everything in between. And today we've changed it up just a little bit and we've all been kind of scrambling for the hymn book. At the right time, we're reading responsive hymns, which are songs from our Bible. We're singing a prayer of illumination, for illumination, not hearing it prayed. We will sing an affirmation of faith. And music is so much a part of our workus, worship of God and is the vehicle that helps us focus our lives and our praise upon our loving Creator. Some of our best theology is in our hymns. At the session meeting on Monday night, Elder Cecil Whitaker gave the devotion, and unbeknownst to me, and certainly not known to him, the, the, the content of the sermon and the focus of its theme today, 
Dr. Whitaker stood up and talked about the importance of hymns and how they have sustained the people of God throughout and how he confessed that many times being a musical person himself, he is sometimes too focused on the arrangement of the chords and the harmonies and he is not looking at the words. And so he focused us on the words as we met in worshipful work at the session meeting and just read through some of the great hymns of the church to remind us of what is contained there, some of our best theology. The first hymn that we sang this morning, the hymn written by John Calvin, I think the only hymn that we have attributed to him, I greet thee who my sure redeemer art, my only trust and savior of my heart, who pain didst undergo for my poor sake, I pray thee from our hearts all cares to take. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Our hymns ground us. They are our prayers. They are our teachers. They are gifts to us. My father, when I was becoming a candidate for the ministry, charged me on the floor of the presbytery as a young man in, in, in the pursuit of my ordination with three hymns. The first hymn that he gave to me was, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. To remind me who is the potter and who is the clay. And then he charged me with the hymn, Take Time to Be Holy, Chuck. And then finished with his favorite hymn, which has become mine as well, Be Thou My Vision. That is your vision. Who is your vision? Music in our lives has the power to heal, to encourage, to teach, to strengthen, to comfort, to stretch, to inspire, to move, and to invite us to a higher, a higher level of living, a deeper experience of joy and in, in this journey of life. And yes, music is a big and important part of everyday life. But it was Charles Wesley who was afraid that, that there was a certain element of music that was being lost in 18th century England. Charles Wesley, the brother of, of, of John Wesley, a great hymn writer, Charles Wesley wrote in, in one of his works, who on the part of God will rise, innocent sound recover, music in virtue's cause retain, rescue the holy pleasure. The holy pleasure that Charles Wesley was talking about was the Christian community in song, and he felt like it may be lost in the church. God forbid it would be lost in the church, and certainly... God forbid it would be lost in our church. The holy pleasure is the sound of God's people in song. And on this day, after this worship service, that we will recognize and appreciate our 845 choir, our handbell, and our adult choir, it, it is, I want us to, to understand how incredibly blessed we are here in, in this church to have the excellence in music that raises the level of our worship every week. You don't know whether the sermon's going to be any good, but at least you know the music is going to be good. And how blessed we are and give our thanks and praise to God for that 845 choir, Faithful and True, for the handbells that, that lift our the corners of our mouths when they play and for the chancel choir that leads us in worship. 
every week. Thanks be to God for that gift. They are not here to entertain us, by the way. The purpose of a choir in worship is not to entertain, but to aid the worshipers in their worship. For we are not spectators at a show. How many of you like SEC football? How many of you have been to an SEC football game in the stadium? How many of you would have said that you did not participate in that event? You cannot go to something like that without participating. You are going to cheer, you're going to boo, you're going to scream, you're going to shout, you're going to be part of the effort, you are going to offer yourself into what is going on in that arena. You can't help it. No, we can't all get down on the playing field, thank goodness. But we can tell those who are down there what they should be doing, or those who are coaching them what they should be doing. Some of you may want to tell the choir and Tom what they should be doing. No, we can't get all on the field and play, but we're in the game. We're in the game. And the same is true here in worship. Not every one of us can fit up in that choir loft. And there are a whole bunch of us who shouldn't not be in that choir loft. But we're in the game. And they're not here to entertain us. They are here to encourage and give us confidence so that we can sing from the depth of our beings praises to our God. And the singing of songs, the singing of hymns and spiritual songs is part of our Judeo-Christian heritage. The whole Bible is full of songs. All of creation sings. The morning, saw, the morning stars sang together. The trees clap their hands. The sea and all that is in it praises the Lord. Miriam sang a song at the miracle of the Red Sea when God's people were saved. Isaiah sings a song about the suffering servant. Worshippers sang songs of ascent as they went to Jerusalem to the temple. Angels sang at the birth of Jesus. Mary sang at the announcement that she would have him. Simeon sang a song when he met his Savior. Jesus sang with his disciples, and they sang a hymn together before they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Paul and Silas sang in prison, and Paul implores us in the early church in his letters to sing hymns and songs and spiritual songs to the glory of God. And the style and the quality of it all are, are, are in the ear and the heart of the beholder. It depends on how you grew up. You know, we have 25 and 35 year olds in here and you would ask them, what is your favorite, what is your favorite song, your favorite Christian song? And you know what they're going to say? I'm looking at one of them right now and I know his favorite hymn. Come thou fount of every blessing. See? A 25 to 35 year old most of them don't even know what that is. But we've got 65-year-olds who you ask them, what is, your, what is your favorite song? What is the song that touches your heart? And they'll tell you, our God is an awesome God. It depends on how you grew up and what you've been exposed to, where you are in your faith walk. For 12 years I sang in church choirs, not by my own choice. Until I was a senior in high school, I had to sing in the church choir. My parents saw to it. They said, if you live under the roof of this house, you will sing in the choir. And I hated it when I was 10th, 11th, 12th grade. But now I am so thankful. And parents, I'm going to preach to you for just a minute. Get your kids in the choir or we're going to lose the holy pleasure in the church. You know, your, your, your preference for music, and you may be watching through the TV ministry, your preference for music might be one of those 7-Eleven songs, seven words sung 11 times, or one of those 4-3-2 songs, four words, three chords, two hours. But you know, that's what they did with Gregorian chant, so there's value there. The quality the preference of the song is not ours to judge. Real quickly, a story about text samples. A, religious, a, a, 
a sociologist who studied religion. And in one of his lectures to his class, he was, he was making a mockery of that old beloved hymn in the garden. He said it is unredeemably individualistic. And it's full of clueless cliches. And the tune is so insipid. And he went on and on. And he even in, a, in his most nasally voice sang, I come to the garden alone. And he went on to make a mockery of this song. But after his lecture, a 35-year-old lady came up to him. And she said, Professor Samples, what I need to tell you is that when I was 11 to 16, I was terribly abused by my father. And after each abuse, I would leave the house and I would walk in the yard and I would sing, I come to the garden alone and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. Professor Samples never, ever, ever Make fun of that hymn again. I wouldn't have been able to make it through my life without that song. And so we need to be careful how we embrace the gift of God's music in our lives and what it means to us. But music is God's gift to us that we might find ourselves lost in wonder, love, and praise, whatever that music is. Whatever that music is that puts our focus upon God, who alone is worthy of our worship and our praise. We're going to sing a hymn of affirmation in just a moment. It may be a new hymn to some of you. It's found in our blue hymn book. And the writer of the hymn says this, When in our music God is glorified, and adoration leaves no room for pride. It is as though the whole creation cried, Alleluia. No pride. But humility, the throne of our King. Let us recapture, let us enjoy, let us live into the holy pleasure of singing to God's glory and to His praise. To sing to the Lamb who was slain for us and for our salvation. Johann Sebastian Bach, he, he, he penned on each of his pieces of music three letters, S-D-G, which in Latin stood for Soli Deo Gloria, glory to God alone. And by it he meant that everything I have done is to God's glory and to the exclusion of human self-glorification and pride. Let us, my brothers and sisters, in the worship of Almighty God, lose ourselves to the holy pleasure, to the praise and glory of the Lamb who was slain for us and for our salvation. And whether it is an old song or whether it is a new song, let us make a joyful noise to the Lamb who alone is worthy to receive power and wisdom and riches and might and honor and glory and blessing forever and ever. And let all God's people say, Amen. Let's stand and sing to the glory of God.
please be seated. Let us join together in prayer. God of love, peace, and justice, we have been filled with your spirit this morning, comforted by your presence, and challenged to be bold in our lives of faith. Give us courage to let our lives be shaped by the gospel, that we may change our hearts and our lives, that we may love you with our entire being, that we may love our neighbors as ourselves, that we may do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. Lord, we pray for economic uncertainty around the world. We pray for those without jobs, without homes, without food. Lord, we pray for those who suffer from illnesses of body and mind, those who are anxiously waiting test results, those who are recovering from treatments and surgeries, those who are nearing the end, and those who walk with their loved ones on these difficult journeys. We pray for those who grieve and mourn, giving thanks for the lives of those they love. God, we lift before you all these things and many more that fill our hearts and our minds, some that we speak, some that we do not. God, no matter the circumstances or situations we face, we know that you surround us with love. Help us to share that love with others as we participate in the stunning emergence of your kingdom all around us. Hear us now, dear God, as we join our voices as one, and pray for your coming kingdom as your, as your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We would like to welcome you to worship this morning, and invite those who are seated in the sanctuary to sign the friendship pads located at the end of the aisles. Fill out the information and pass those to those seated next to you. If you are new and would like information about programs on the church, we encourage you to fill out your address or your e email or your phone number. While we're passing those, I'd like to quickly highlight a few announcements. There is a prospective new member lunch on May 5th and 19th. If you'd like information on, on joining this church, you're invited to that luncheon. There's a new... Um, gathering that we're calling Room at the Table. If you're interested in gathering in an informal basis for lunch after the worship service, we invite you to come down front and gather in front of the communion table here and go out for lunch with other people who may um, be interested in going to lunch that day. VIP program is coming to our church May 12th through 19th. We're looking for volunteers for that. Next Sunday is Youth Sunday. It'll be an exciting time when our youth lead us in worship. And confirmation Sunday is May 12th. The rest of the announcements are in our bulletin, and our bulletin can be found on our website at columbusfbc.org. Let us continue now to worship God through the presentation of our tithes and our offerings.
Most merciful and gracious God, from whose open hand we have received much, we ask you to accept this offering of your people. Remember in your love those who have brought it. Remember those persons and purposes for which it is given. And follow this sacrifice with your blessing that it may promote peace and goodwill and advance the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I'd like to ask the Sellers family, the Caps and the Conklins, if they would please come down as they make their way forward. The Sellers joined at the stated meeting of the session on Monday night. <clears throat> Charles and Sandy joined this morning at a called session meeting. And Beth and Joey joined this morning at a called session meeting as well. Joey and Beth Conklin, uh, Deb and Terry. Uh, Sellers and their son Ben, who is in the confirmation class, and Charles and Sandy Caps and their son Hunter, who will be in a confirmation class, but not quite yet. Let me ask you two questions as we celebrate your membership with us. Who is your Lord and Savior? And do you promise with God's help to be a faithful member of this family of faith through your time, your talents, and your treasures, do you? Welcome to this ministry of Jesus Christ. As you're able, come down uh, following the benediction to extend the right hand of fellowship to these brothers and sisters. And uh, if you can't do it this week, find them and welcome them. We are so glad to have you with us on this journey. Children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, go in peace, go in joy to love and serve the Lord. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs>